Merry Christmas, Adam, to each and every one of you. If tomorrow's Christmas Eve, not funny today. All right, so Adam always comes before Eve. All right, all right, I'll quit that. Christmas is just a couple days away. I think you're probably excited. We are as well. Of course, tomorrow, the day after Christmas, Adam, I'm going to try it again, is Christmas Eve, and Christmas Eve is going to be a great day. There are two cool things happening that I know of amongst all the many things that I know that you have planned for tomorrow uh, that are going to make it a great day. Uh, one, at 8.30 in the morning, yes, I said 8.30 in the morning, Aaron Johnson, his family, they'll be unloading their truck at their home. They're moving here, and we're very excited. They're on their way en route right now. So pray for them as they travel. If you want to help tomorrow on Christmas Eve, unload them and be a blessing to them at Christmas time. That will be great. Aaron and his family are moving here uh, to be a part of our church for a short time, and they'll be going out and planting another church, and we're just extremely excited about that. Also, tomorrow evening on Christmas Eve at 6 p.m., we're going to have a candlelight service here, and it's just going to be a great time of worship and celebration of Jesus. And so we want you to come. We want you to invite your family, your friends. It's a great time for you to invite friends that maybe normally do not attend church. It's a great time to invite them to be a part of that service tomorrow evening. It's just going to be a beautiful, precious time together. Well, we're in week three of our series called White Elephant Gifts, White Elephant Gifts. And I want to give you kind of a working definition that we've got going of White Elephant Gifts, and that is this, a gift that is useless or troublesome. Ever gotten one of those? You're like, what am I supposed to do with this? Have you ever gotten a gift you didn't even know what it was, or you definitely didn't know what to do with it? One that's useless or troublesome, especially one that is expensive to maintain or difficult to dispose of. In other words, you're thinking, can I drop this off at the Goodwill and that person never go to the Goodwill in the next six months and see this, right? How do I get rid of it? And so we've been talking about white elephant gifts. Let me give you some for instance of white elephant gifts as we kind of just leave that definition on the screen. I had a friend of mine that told the story of his dad many years ago, how uh, they went to kind of a white elephant gift party, and uh, he wrapped up a box, and he put small holes in the top to look like air holes, and he said right before we went inside, he said his dad put some kind of small motorized toy ball inside, and it moved around, and everyone thought it had some kind of live animal in it, right? That's a pretty good one. Um, my friends on Facebook told me that a really good... Um, White elephant gift would be a belly button lint belly button lint brush. I don't know what to do with that. That's kind of gross. Anyway, now that I've got that image in your head, let me give you a couple of cool ones on the screen. This next one uh, showed up at a party I was at this week. A uh, picture of uh, some some loafers. That's great, isn't it? It's absolutely great. And then we introduced Bob to you last week. We thought we'd give you a little update on Bob and how Bob the Chia Pet's doing. I think we had an update up there. He's growing. He's growing. That was my um, white elephant gift I got a couple of weeks ago, and we, uh, we've got him going, and it's just a, it's a fun time. So as we approach Christmas and we do a lot of exchanging of gifts, um, it's a fun and I believe important part of the celebration of Christmas. And so as we think about gifts and we think about Jesus coming to bring all that he brought, most importantly himself and everything that flows out of him. We've looked at a couple of gifts over the last couple of weeks. One is pessimism and how Jesus came to bring us faith. Pessimism and how Jesus came to bring us faith. Then we looked at anger. In fact, someone this morning said, hey, you did a really good job on your sermon last week on anger. And I said, thank you for saying that because if you just said I did a bad job, I might have gotten 
angry. All right. So anyway, we looked at anger and how Jesus came to bring joy. My jokes are not working today. Uh, today, you've already seen it on the screen. Really heavy, heavy subject. Grief. Grief. Uh, I will quickly admit that grief is different from the other two. Pessimism and anger. Uh, grief is something that comes upon us because of loss. None of us want to experience loss, and yet all of us do. Loss can come in all kinds of forms. As I was thinking about preaching on grief and thinking about loss, uh, my mind quickly wandered uh, to this idea of like who in the room has experienced the, the worst loss ever. And I'm sure that all of us could tell our stories. Uh, I know I could, and I know you could, of things that we've experienced when it comes to loss. Some major, major things. But I don't think this morning we want to compare our losses. I think we want to allow God to speak to us in our losses. Uh, I would say that loss is a lot like surgery. I don't know if you know what the difference between minor surgery and major surgery is. Minor surgery is when it's on you. Major surgery is when it's on me. So in other words, my loss is greater than your loss, right? And your loss is greater than my loss. Because loss affects us very, very deeply. But when we think of loss and we think of grief, we definitely allow our minds to go to some people in our lives that we love and that we cherish and we lost and they're gone. And there's some of us in the room right now that are struggling deeply because of losing a loved one. But there's a lot of other losses as well, as well that affect us deeply. Let me just give you a few of them just to get your mind rolling and maybe to stir your heart up because I think this needs to happen. Uh, maybe for you a loss looks like the loss of a job or the loss of a friendship. Maybe the loss of money, the loss of a scholarship, the loss of status, the loss of health, the loss of a dream. Or maybe for you it's the loss of faith. Maybe it's faith in a person because of something they did or didn't do. Or maybe for you right now, you're actually struggling with your faith in God. There's also a lot of loss that comes by way of things like rejection, divorce, moving. All of these things that happen in our lives, events that happen in our lives that bring on loss. Some losses happen by way of things that never came to pass. Things that haven't happened. That baby that never came. That dream job that you've always wanted and you haven't landed it yet. Maybe for some of you, you're still yearning for a mom that loves you or a dad that would stick around. Losses come in all kinds of forms and in all stages of life. So as I'm talking right now, some of you are thinking back over the last couple of weeks or last couple of years. Some of us are going back to our childhood as we think about the losses that we've experienced in our life. What loss does, loss puts us in this process of grief, this process of grief. And grief is definitely a complicated and hard thing to bear. I've got a picture on the screen. Uh, they call this the uh, grief ball of emotions. You probably can't read all of these, but these, this, this ball kind of just represents the, the warped emotions that we have when we are going through grief. Everything from denial to panic to anxiety to rage to anger, guilt, envy, woe, jealousy, fear, helplessness, betrayal. The list goes on and on of emotions that we experience 
when we experience loss and we find ourselves in this thing called grief. Well, my heart's been very, very sensitive this week to the Lord and to the Spirit of God as we were going to talk about loss. And maybe you came here today thinking Christmas is in just a couple of days and can't believe we're talking about this. Well, it's actually one of the reasons why we're talking about it. Grief comes on us in moments like Christmas holidays where we have to bear the wave of it again potentially. And my goal today and my heart and my prayer is not to fix anybody today because I can't fix you. But my hope and my prayer is that we can begin to move forward together by way of Jesus to untangle the ball of emotions that you are experiencing and get you to begin to go through grief. Grief is a hard thing to go through. Some of us have actually chosen to say, you know what, I'm not going to go through grief. I'm just going to get over it. Well, there are times in life where we need to hear those three words, get over it. I had a friend named Andrea in West Memphis. That was her phrase. Somebody would be struggling with something, and she's just kind of a suck it up buttercup kind of lady, and you'd be kind of struggling, and she'd say, get over it. There are times in your life where you need to hear that. There are some things you're facing right now in your life. You just need to be stronger. You just need to, you just need to buck up a little bit, and you need to move on. But it comes to grief. That is not something that you need to hear those three words. Grief is not something that you get over. It is something that you go through. I want to put that on the screen for you. You don't ever get over grief. You get through grief. You don't ever get over grief. You get through grief. And I would add to that, you can't get around grief either. You can't get around it. And so what we're beginning to understand as we talk this morning is that we've got to go through it. If you've experienced a loss, if I've experienced a loss, we have to go through the process of grief, which is hard to bear. It's hard to bear. One of the reasons why we just don't get over it and we got to go through it is because it's part of our story. Uh, you'll never lose the memories, good or bad. They'll always be there. You won't forget the pain, but again, you will get through it. I want to begin now to look at God's Word in Psalm chapter 23 and verse 4. Psalm 23 and verse 4. You're very familiar with this psalm, and I want you to see one verse in it and allow it to speak to you really loud, allow it to comfort you, and maybe uh, allow it to say something to you that maybe it's never said before. Psalm 23 and verse 4. It's probably one of the most known passages of Scripture in all of the Bible. It's definitely one of those uh, passages that are read many, many times at funeral services or gravesides. Look at Psalm 23 and verse 4. The psalmist David said, Even when I walk through the darkest valley or the valley of the shadow of death, I will not be afraid, for you, God, are close beside me. Your rod and your staff protect and comfort me. I want to look now again at verse number four. Look at the first part. Even when I walk through the darkest valley. I don't know what your dark valley is right now. I don't know what has come to an end for you. I don't know what you have lost lately. But the word of God is giving us an encouragement and a help here to understand that we can and we will walk through it. To walk through something means to start on one side and to come out on the other side. Some of you are stuck on this side of grief and you've never been brave enough to go through it. You think you're going to get over it. In reality, you are stuck on this side of grief. And it's a very dangerous, unhealthy place to be stuck. And I don't want you to be stuck. 
I want you to go through it by God's grace and experience the protection and the help and the healing that is spoken of here. So again, whatever your darkest valley is, you have to go through it. You will get through it. As we see here in this scripture about God, about not being afraid, God's close beside us, rod and staff protecting us and comforting us. God is with you. The, the, one of the names of Jesus is Emmanuel, God with us. When Jesus came here to live on this earth, it was to prove that he was with us. He didn't just know about us, but he was with us. And he's going to go with you through this valley. God cares for you. God will guard you and guard, God will comfort you. 2 Corinthians declares that God is the God of comfort. It's one of those many miraculous things that he does. He comes alongside of us and he comforts us in a way that only he can do. Matthew chapter 5 and verse 4 says, God blesses those who mourn, for they will be comforted. So the scripture declares there that if you're mourning right now, if you're going through loss right now, if you're in grief right now, God says that he is going to comfort you. If you have ever experienced deep loss and you've mourned and you've experienced the comfort of God, would you right now, I'm going to repeat it so you hear me clearly, would you raise your hand, listen to me. If you've experienced deep loss and you have mourned, and in that mourning process of going through the valley of death, that dark valley, and you've experienced the comfort of God in that process, would you just very, very quietly just, just raise your hand? Look around. Look around. Look around. You're not alone. All of us have experienced loss, and those of us that have leaned into Jesus as we're going through this valley have experienced something that is supernatural in the comfort of God. Um, there's a book that was recently released. Some of you are familiar with this. It's a book called God's Got This. And it's written by a sweet lady named Kathy Fogarty. For some of you in the room, you know who she is. For some of you, like, I don't have a clue who that is. Let me tell you who that is. Kathy Fogarty is the mom of Josh Turner. Josh is sitting right over here. Josh is one of our pastors. He and his wife, Crystal, six years ago, lost a little girl. Her name was Briley Faith. God gave you, what, 61 days with her? Is that correct? 61 days. And their story is told in and through this book. They continue to tell their story of how God comforted them even when they were mourning and even when they were experiencing loss. God just does that. The scripture declares that God comforts those and is close to those that is broken Hearted. Several years ago, Rick Warren, some of you may have heard of him, very well-known pastor, great man of God. Several years ago, um, Rick's son took his own life. And so you can imagine the pain and the loss that Rick experienced. And as Rick was just going through that loss and grieving and going through that process, God taught him a lot. He was also challenged a lot. A lot of people in the media, because he's well-known in the media, really tried to just grill him and destroy him to say, oh, your God didn't come through for you and your God didn't help you. And Rick was able to continue to keep his heart and his eyes fully on Jesus and all that process. And a bit after he had lost his son, Rick began to teach on grief and to share some things. And I want to share with you this morning what Rick says are four things that are necessary to make it through grief. Four things. You're going to see them in your notes, and I want to give them to you because I think they're just huge and so necessary. Number one 
He says, you got to list the losses. List the losses I've never grieved. In other words, we've got to take some inventory. We've got to take some time. I told you last week on anger, I took some time to do an inventory of people that I needed to forgive. That I need to say, you know what, you're off the hook. You know what, I'm, I'm, I'm letting this thing go. Well, the very same thing needs to happen in our life about losses. For some of us, we have losses in our life that were recent. Some of us, we have lost in our lives, lives that were a long time ago, and we've just ignored them, and we thought, well, it'll go away, and the pain will go away, and the hurt will go away, and yet the reality is it is still there. And Rick encourages us to list the losses that we have never grieved. Again, grief is necessary. And if we don't identify what they are and we don't list them and we don't grieve, we get stuck. And again, we get stuck on this side of grief. We're still stuck in the valley of death and God wants to bring us through it. We must walk through this valley and we must come out on the other side. Again, this is not a place that we want anyone to get stuck. We want them to walk through it. List your losses that you've never grieved. You're like, man, this is going to take me to some hard places. It is going to take you to some hard places, but it's going to bring you to a place that you've never been before, that you desperately need to be to experience God's comfort and God's healing in your life. Maybe as you're thinking about going through this valley, your attitude right now and your heart right now and your desire right now is just to say out loud, I don't want to. I get that. It's a lot easier to ignore things for a season, but when it keeps coming up and we keep facing it, wow, we got to, we've got to list it and embrace it if we're going to become unstuck. Let me encourage you to know that you don't have to do it alone. God has promised here in Psalm 23, as he has in so many other places, when we go through things like this, that he will be with us. Your church family will be with you. Church family, would you repeat after me these words? There is great power in being there. Will you say that with me? There is great power in being there. Say it again. There is great power in being there. Just a few weeks ago, um, I had the opportunity and privilege and responsibility to uh, speak at my friend's funeral. And it was one of those that was hard. He was a believer, and so I'm very grateful for that. And I have no doubt where he is today. But he was 48 years old. And he had uh, battled uh, pancreatic cancer, and God took him home a few weeks ago. And I got to go speak at his funeral and proclaim the gospel. There were nearly a thousand people there that I got to share the gospel with. And uh, he was a military uh, man, he was a retired colonel. And therefore, there was a general there to speak at the funeral. I got to spend some time with the general, and the general was kind enough to spend some time with the family. And the general, I mean, we're talking a high ranking guy, right, who has a lot of experience. And he went in and he sat down with the family. And he spent some time with them, and I was in there with them. We got done, and we came back out. And the general looked at me and said, how would I do in there? I mean, he was genuinely trying to make sure he had done a good job of, of expressing his sympathy for the grief of the family. And he said, how would I do in there? And here's what I told him. I said, you did great. You were there. You were there. There is great power in being there. A lot of times when someone else is grieving, we think we got to have the right words. Your words probably aren't going to help one bit, but your presence will do more than you ever can imagine. There's going to be some times they're going to be like, I don't need you around right now, right? you got to respect that too. you got to give them their space. But there's some times where you just have to be there and you just have to listen. There's great power in being there. If you're grieving right now and going through loss and there's any way that we can help you or help you get the help that you need, we desperately want 
to do that. The second thing that Rick suggests that we've got to do to get through grief is this. Identify what I've really lost. You can't get through the pain until you acknowledge it. you got to get specific. you got to get specific about the people that you've lost and the things that you miss about them. you got to get specific and just let it out. And also when it comes to the things that you've lost, because for some of us it was a thing that we lost that's heavy on our heart, we've got to list the things that hurt the most. Three, this one's huge. Rick says we've got to have the courage to lament, to lament. And I want to define that word as Rick defines it because I think he gives a great definition. And I think it's something today that our culture doesn't understand. We don't even know what the word means. And here's the working definition that he gives for us. I think it's going to come on the screen for you, and that is this. Lament, a passionate expression of grief to God. An act of worship that can include, check this out, complaining to God. Does that make you scratch your head for just a moment? Here's what you've got to understand about God. God is big enough to handle whatever you bring his way. And God is loving enough to want whatever you bring his way. If you want to come to God today and say, God, you are so good, and I love you, and I worship you, and I praise you, he wants that. But he is big enough, and he is satisfied in who he is enough for you to come to him and say, God, I don't know what you're doing. I don't know why you did that. God, I am frustrated with you. Guess what I'm telling God in that moment? Even though I don't understand him, I don't get him, I still believe in him. I'm coming to him. And he says that lamenting is a passionate expression of grief to God. The book of Psalms is full of grief. There's a whole book in the Old Testament called Lamentations where a prophet just gives his grief to God over and over and over again. Some of you, this sounds really weird, some of you need to have it out with God. You just need to tell him everything that you're thinking and that you're feeling. He can bear it and he can handle it. Again, have the courage to lament. If you don't let it out in healthy ways, you'll act it out in unhealthy ways. Some of us right now are doing things that we, why did I do that? And what's going on with me here? And what's going on with me there? People are noticing things in you that like, that's out of character for you. What, what's, what's wrong with you right now? Why are you saying that? Why are you doing that? And for some of us, it goes back to not dealing with our grief, not lamenting it, not speaking it clearly, not grieving over it. So there's a question that I think everybody probably asks at some point when they think about their grief and they think about sorrow and loss. And the question is, how long will my grief last? How long is the lamenting process? I would say this to you, that it's different for every person, for every loss. You can experience the same loss as the person sitting next to you, but your process and time frame in which you will go through this valley will look different than the person sitting next to you. Because you're a unique person with a unique loss. But you will get through it. God will see you through this valley and on the other side. And you must lament and you must grieve if you're going to make it through. Fourth thing, so simple but so true, and that is this. Ask Jesus to heal my broken heart. But why? Because he wants to heal you. Why? Because you don't have the resources in and of yourself to make it through. Why? Because he can. Look now to 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. 
1 Thessalonians chapter 4, beginning in verse 13. Another well-read passage of Scripture in moments of grief and in moments of sorrow, especially at the loss of a loved one. It says, And now, dear brothers and sisters, we want you to know what will happen to the believers who have died, so you will not grieve. Now, if this verse ended in a period right there, it'd be tough. It would just pretty much say, hey, if you're a believer, you don't grieve. Hey, if you're a believer, you don't experience loss. Hey, if you're a believer, you never get sad. But it doesn't stop there. Look what it says. I want you to know what will happen to the believers who have died so you will not grieve like people who have no what? Hope. Who doesn't have hope? People that don't know Jesus. Who has hope? People that know Jesus. What do we have, believers? We have this incredible gift called hope. Hope. Read on. For since we believe that Jesus died and was raised to life again, we also believe that when Jesus returns, God will bring back with him all the believers who have died. Now, let me pause for just a moment. Your faith, your faith dramatically affects more than just where you go when you die. Your faith changes your life now. Your belief that Jesus came to this earth on Christmas, was born of a virgin, and lived perfectly, and then died horrifically, and then came back from the dead, affects every aspect of your life. If you believe that, it brings you hope. It brings you hope when you go through loss of a loved one. It brings you hope when you go through loss of a job. It brings you hope when you lose a relationship. It brings you hope if we believe. Look now to verse 15. We tell you this directly from the Lord. We who are still living when the Lord returns will not meet him ahead of those who have died. For the Lord himself will come down from heaven with a commanding shout, with the voice of the archangel, and with the trumpet call of God. First, the Christians who have died will rise from their graves. Then together with them, we who are still alive and remain on the earth will be caught up in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. Then the Lord will then we will be with the Lord forever. Verse 18, will you read it with me? So encourage each other with these words. What are these words that we just read? We just read that Jesus died for our sin. He didn't stay dead, but he came back from the dead. He went to heaven, but he's not going to be there forever because he's coming back one day for us. And guess what he's going to do? He's going to take us to be with him. And he's going to make everything right. He's going to make everything right. Everything that is wrong today, God one day will make right. He will make right. That person that, that you know, left you or walked away from you or that situation that went sideways or that job that you lost, God one of these days he's going to make everything the way it should be. Encourage one another with these words. If you've got a loved one that has gone on before you, encourage each other with these words. So here's what Jesus came to bring. Jesus came to bring hope. He gave me hope. He gave you hope. That's what Christmas is all about, him bringing us hope. Hope keeps us going. Hope gets us through. Hope gets us through grief. So again, Jesus came to bring you hope. 
So you're like, well, I, I've been thinking about Christmas, and this is going on, and that's going on, and I don't have that, and I don't have them in my life anymore, and this situation over here is really, really tough, and, and, and I'm really, really struggling over there. Well, Jesus came to bring you hope. Maybe this word hope is new for you. Maybe for you, you're, you're not a believer. Maybe you came to church today with your grandparent or a family member because you're in town. Listen, Jesus came to bring you hope. This story of the cross, the story of the empty grave, this story of a soon coming king, it's for you so that you can have hope. Believers, we have hope. So I'm going to give you some things on the screen about this hope that we have, all right? It's, it's going to kind of keep repeating it because I want you to get this word. Jesus came to bring hope. Everybody say it with me. Jesus came to bring hope. Turn to your neighbor and just very politely, kindly say, we have hope. Go for it. Now, if we're just saying that word to be saying that word, then we don't have hope, right? Sounds good. Nice, trite thing to say. But if we're turning to our neighbor, whether they're a believer or not, and we know in our hearts that Jesus really did die for us and that Jesus really did come back from the grave and that Jesus really is coming back again, those are true, powerful, life-changing words, that word of saying we have hope. Jesus came to bring hope. Let's, let's go on. It's going to be in your notes. It's going to be on the screen. Jesus died to bring hope. In his death, he brings about forgiveness. He washes our sins and all of that was done for me and for you and for everybody else who ever has or ever will live so that we could have hope. If your hope is being more good than bad so that you one day can spend eternity in heaven, you don't have any hope. If your hope is that you're going to stop doing bad and start doing good the rest of your life so that you can one day spend eternity in heaven, you are hopeless. Jesus died to bring us hope. Next, Jesus rose from the dead to bring us, say it, hope. Hope. I mean, if Jesus would have died for our sins, that would be really, really cool. But if he'd have stayed dead, then like, what is that? Jesus conquered the things that we cannot conquer. He conquered sin, he conquered death, and he conquered the grave when he came back from the dead. And we have hope. We have a Savior that is alive. We have a Savior that has had victory over these things. And then Jesus is coming back to bring, can you guess what it is? Hope. Kids are catching on. Adults, catch on. Jesus is coming back to bring hope. To bring hope. Again, he's going to make everything right. And I'm confident that in my life and in your life, everything's not right today. There are things that we wish were different. There are things we want to be different. There are things that should be different. And yet we're living in this place called the world that brings chaos and confusion and hurt and pain. And most of it is the result of some loss that we have experienced. And God is saying, you know what? I know you went through that loss, but I've got this this process that is hard, it's really not a white elephant gift. It's a gift, though. It's called grief, and God has given you grief so that you can make it through this valley and come out on the other side. And the gift that he's given you that's greater than grief 
and greater than your pain and greater than your sorrow is hope. Jesus has come to bring me, I promise I'm coming back, and to bring you hope. This is what he has for you. This is what he has for you. No matter what your situation right now, no matter what your loss, no matter what you're missing, no matter what your pain, Jesus brings you hope. In just a moment, we're going to stand, much like we always do, and give you an opportunity to respond this morning. And maybe for this morning, you are you're processing a loss. Maybe you've remembered something that you tried to forget, and you tried to get around, or you tried to get over, and you realize right now the only way is through. Maybe you walked in this morning, and your loss was right in front of you. I didn't have to talk this morning. I didn't have to teach. I didn't have to preach for you to realize you are going through loss right now. Like, it's, it's just there. There is hope. And through hope, you can make it through this valley, and God can bring you out on the other side. Believing in a Savior who died for you. Believing in a Savior who rose again for you. Believing in a Savior who's one day going to come back and make everything right. This promise of Jesus coming back, there's some pictures of it in, heaven, uh, in, in, in the Word of God for us, what heaven's going to be like. No more sorrow. No more crying. No more pain. That sounds pretty incredible. That's the promise of God through the hope of Jesus Christ. This morning, if you need someone to pray with you, there's going to be people up here to pray with you. We want, we want to do that for you. And knowing as well that um, this subject of grief is heavy, knowing that if I would have just preached the best sermon of my life, which I didn't, but knowing that even if I did, it's not going to just wave some magic words over you and you be all better. It is a process and a season in which you need to go through. We want to offer you this morning on your way out the door, if you need it, there's a little book called Experiencing Grief. Uh, we don't have a copy for everybody. If we run out, we'll get you a copy. But if you're right now just in a season, and it may be the loss of a loved one, or it may be the loss of something else, and right now you just realize, I need to go through this valley. I don't need to get stuck where I am. I need to go through it. And you need some encouragement, some truth, and some help. We want to offer this book called Experiencing Grief to you. On your way out the door, I think there's going to be a couple ladies out there holding those for you. We also want to give you opportunity this morning, as we always do, to give. It's a great time just to worship God and to celebrate who he is, to trust him. Whether right now you're in a season of loss or you're just in a season of celebration, Man, it's just a time to say, God, I trust you. I trust you with everything I've got. I trust you with my finances. I trust you with my family. And I want to give. I want to give. As a result of your giving, as church is giving, lives are being changed. We also want to give you an opportunity this morning to respond by turning in your communication card into the offering bucket. We'd love to connect with you. We'd love to reach out to you and say, we're glad that you're here. If you've got a prayer request, you can put it on there. I promise you that we will be praying for you. So I want to take a moment, and I want to pray. Um, don't know everything that you're going through, but I know that there are things that all of us are going through right now that are heavy and that are hard. 
And my prayer is ultimately going to be this. My prayer is that the hope of Jesus Christ, the resurrected Savior, would be greater, brighter, and more powerful and more present in your life in this Christmas season than ever before. Let's pray.